Welcome to the weekly Beach Church Message podcast. This week we finished our foundation series and talked about how the Bible is foundational to our faith. It's a great message and we can't wait for God to speak to you through it. A couple of other things coming up in the life of Beach Church. Kids Camp is coming. We are excited about it. We would ask you as a church, be praying for our kids that they get to know who Jesus is. And then the other thing is if you're a parent, we are starting our new Parenting Through the Phases class this summer. So you can go to todayatbeach.com to find out more about that and to sign up for it. Now let's do this. Let's turn our attention to Foundations, the Bible. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Beach Church. To each of you who are here in the room, join us at the Jack's Beach campus, and welcome to each of you joining us online. If we haven't met before, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. And as you heard, we're in our final week of our foundation series. Uh, If you've missed any of the weeks prior to this, I'd encourage you to go back, check them out, because what we've been doing is taking a look at everything that we say is foundational to our faith. And what that means is it's not just, oh, this is the things that we believe, but the way the Bible describes belief is that we agree to these things, we know what's true, and then this is how it actually practically lives out in our life. So if we truly believe these core things about our faith, then it should lead us to action in how we actually live. Uh, So we've looked at plenty of weeks before. We've had uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We've had the church. And now in our final week, we're going to dive into the Bible as the foundation of our faith. And so that's what we get to talk about a little bit this morning. Um, For for my own journey, you know, I became a Christian and started following Jesus intentionally when I was in my early 20s. Uh, Like when I was a kid, we had this like little blip on the radar. I think we spent like six months in a church at one point in time, but then really didn't show back up until like my high school time. And then getting a teenager to do a new habit on a weekend was not the prime time for me to like really love getting up and going to church on a Sunday, which is what my parents had to endure at the time. And then when I went to college, I was like, I'm, a, I'm an adult now, like, like we all are. So I made my own decisions, which meant I didn't have to go anywhere on the weekend. And so I really didn't uh, really meet Jesus until a little bit into my college journey. I met my wife there, and then we started going together. Uh, and then uh, by 2008, I really gave my life over to Jesus. And, and really, from early on, there wasn't this time where I had a lot of people that I could go, wow, this is all brand new. I'm excited. I want to grow. Um, hey, I got questions. Like, there, there, I didn't have a lot of those people in my life at the time. And so the main primary way God actually... Uh, used to help me grow in my faith was through the Bible. It was just literally when I first became uh, a Christian, I was just like, obviously, this book is here, and it should be, I'm guessing it's pretty important to this whole process, so I just started, we just started reading it. That was my best guess at how this thing was supposed to work, and so reading it, and it was literally just super simple. We would read it um, and I would just think about it. What does this mean? And then I just tried to do what it was saying. That was it. And in my limited understanding of all of it at the beginning, that was enough, really, because God is more than faithful to use our willingness to obey what he said to bring transformation into our lives. And now that's been several years from now, but I still absolutely love the Bible. But I'm one of those people that if you ask me certain things about the Bible, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to get weird real fast because you can get me on tangents, rabbit trails. I'll talk about the Bible all day long. 
Um, and we're going to talk about that <laughs> in a little while. Um, but that's the thing is the Bible is a never-ending source of God's truth for our lives if we allow it to be. And so that's what we're going to dive into. But before we get into anything, I'll, I want to share and make room for another person's story here at Beach who has also been impacted by the Bible. And so we want to take a few moments. We're going to look at Peggy's story and her experience with the Bible. My parents didn't go to church, but my mom knew church was important. This was in the 50s, the early 60s. So she would take my sister and brother and I drop us off at church. So I went to Sunday school and that's where I learned about Jesus. So I went to Sunday school all those years. And uh, when I was about 10 or 11, I was baptized. And then when I was about 16, I started having questions about my faith. So back then we didn't have starting point. And so <laughs> I made an appointment with the pastor and he explained more things to me. And that night I went home and I prayed and I just, I just gave Jesus my life. And I said, you know, do what you want to with it. So that was real pivotal. And so right after that, I thought, well, I should start reading the Bible. And back then, all they had was King James Version. So I started reading the King James Version. And if you read one chapter a day, <laughs> it takes you three and a half years to finish the Bible. <laughs> so I read the Bible. And then when I was about 18, 19, 20, the Living Bible came out. And wow, that just, I understood what I was reading finally, you know. Uh, that was just, uh, that was wonderful. It was just like, oh, so that's what that means. And I would look up all these passages that I'd read in King James and stuff. So that really opened my eyes to the Bible. So I knew the Bible was important. And so it just became a major part of my life then. You know, that's, that was the foundation. That was what guided me. That's what guides everything, you know, all my decision-making and stuff. And then I love uh, Bible teaching. I love people that open up stuff, you know, in the Bible. You go, oh, man, I never saw that before. And so God is always talking to you through the Bible. If, if you want to hear from God, that's one of the ways, the main ways to hear from God. And the Bible is just so rich. I mean, I love the history. I love the Psalms. I love the New Testament, all of that stuff. But uh, it's the most important book. And it's the foundation of our faith. That's where all this comes from. It's written down. And, and I remember uh, for a time I was curious, well, where does the Bible come from? Who wrote this? And who, who said these books are in the Bible, you know? And so I got interested in that just, see, just to see how the Bible came about. Uh, and um, that just encouraged me, you know? And it's one of the oldest books around that's been verified, you know. Um, so it's just a very, very important. Like the Bible guides me and my behavior and who I am and what I do. So, um, so if people, so I wouldn't do, I wouldn't do anything that would contradict, you know, my faith and I get my faith from what I read in the Bible. It's like instructions, you know, the Bible is instructions how to live your life. You know, if I'm sad, if I'm angry, if I'm happy, if I'm worried, all those things the Bible has an answer for. So that is my source. It just reveals who Jesus is. And it doesn't just do it in one reading. It's continually revealing who he, he's continually revealing himself to me through the Bible. Uh, it deepens who, you, who he is, who you, your relationship with him. And it's a living relationship. So it's not like, oh, well, I read that, so I know he's like that. No, it's just a, a living interchange 
of who he is and, and, and what he has to say to me personally. So um, that's, that's how the Bible speaks to me. You know. I'm Peggy, and the Bible has been pivotal in my relationship with Jesus and my growth of faith over the years. Yeah, amen. Amen. Look, if you haven't met Peggy, she's usually serving faithfully behind the scenes week in and week out here at Beach Church. But I love her story because what you hear, if you listen to what she's saying, is she's, so you, you notice there's this desire for her to continually to grow, to seek after God. And what she does is every time, you know, she started reading, but then that led into studying the scriptures. That led into eventually when uh, the Living Bible came out, and she talked about that and how that unlocked even new things for her, which, which if, you're, if you're from that era when you grew up with the King James and, and that was it, God bless you. Because not only did you survive reading that thing and understanding it, both, both the Bible, which we know is already a complex document, but you also tackled it using William Shakespeare's own vocabulary. And so that's amazing. We have no excuse now because we have like 30 different Bibles with easy to read English. Uh, and you guys persevered. So you should get a t-shirt that says like, I survived the KJV or something like that. Um, but it was a whole different time, right? You guys persevered. And that's what you hear Peggy. She kept going and it led to more and more pursuing of God. And when she hit something she didn't understand, it led into other people being in her life, whether it was her church or whether it was family or whether it was Sunday school, whatever it was that led to unlocking more and more things um, over the entirety of her life. And that's the nature really about the Bible is in the, the ancient Israelites used to call it a meditation literature and not, not necessarily a meditation the way we think about it with uh, today where it's like just empty your mind and those things. But the way they use it is they would literally sit down and go over and over and over the stories from their families to their time uh, in their communal times of reading scripture aloud. And they believed that the more you immersed yourself in the story, the more that you would actually be transformed by it and the more you would, be, uh, you would be able to understand more and more, especially as you went through different seasons of life. And so it was a lifelong pursuit of God's truth. Um, and so that's, that's what we're talking about. And that's what Peggy's story brings out is that she doesn't just stop of going, well, I tried to read it and I didn't know where to go or whatever. There was like these steps and moments of her pursuing and God unlocking things for her, walking with her. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about that this morning. What does the Bible mean to us? If we say it's our foundational, one of our foundations for truth, what does that mean? So that's the question. What do we actually believe about the Bible? And we've uh, alluded to it a little bit. It's a complex document. It was, you know, there, it's a minimal of spanning 1,800 plus years of time frame that it, that it documents. There's 40 at least primary authors with countless others who were part of the the editing process, the compilation, and eventually the, the putting together the Bible into the form that we have it now. And so it's, it was written in three different languages, written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, none of which, uh, none of those languages are even spoken today. They're all different versions now. So when we enter it, we are entering in something that is complex, but is very much approachable and understandable. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. 
So what do we actually believe? Let's start with a few foundational statements of what we say is the truth about the Bible, and then we'll discuss a little bit. What does that practically mean for us? So the first, one, first thing we talk about is that we believe the Bible is God's inspired word. That means that this isn't just a book. This is a book authored by God himself. He's the one behind the authorship and the process for how we got the Bible. Right. If you go into uh, Paul's own words when he's talking to Timothy, and Timothy's a person that he uh, was a part of his faith journey, he was pouring into him, and Timothy is now trying to kind of lead different churches in Ephesus, and so Paul's writing to him to try to help him in this process. In these two verses, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, he tells him, all scripture is God-breathed. God breathed. If you go back into Genesis 1 and 2, you get this story of God breathing life into the first people. This is the same language. It's literally, this is a living book. It's something that's not because it's magic. It's because when we engage with it, we are experiencing the life-giving presence of God that he put into it. So it's God breathed. It's useful. And look at this list. For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So it's first off useful for teaching. It should teach us the reality of what God defines as truth. Now it does it in in various ways, right? Because the vast majority of the Bible is just one continuous story. And why is that important? Why didn't God just make a bullet point list and hand us the list and say, here's the 15 things that I need you to do and that's it? Well, because the For our 21st century selves, that makes us feel more comfortable, but the vast majority of people, and I would argue even for ourselves, we actually learn better through stories because you can actually see your part in the story and learn through that. If you go through that, the vast majority of the rest of the world outside of the West, stories are still the primary way that people learn. So story is something that's universal, and that's what God chose to use. But it's not just that. He has has lots of poetry. There's lots of psalms that are in there. And Psalms, if you've never really interacted with the Psalms, they're literally one of the largest books of the Bible that helps us to actually know, oh wow, this is the whole range of human emotion. And this is how to properly express that with God. Good, bad, and ugly. It doesn't matter what it looks like. There's a whole book there to help us to do that. There's wisdom literature that helps us to go, this is what God says is true. And how does that practically work? And then there's the stories, there's laws, there's the gospels, there's letters, there's all these different forms that God used in order to help communicate to us. And that's the teaching side, but then here's the, the next part that we usually don't enjoy as much, the rebuking and correcting sections, right? I think that's the smaller section in the bookstore next to the self-help section. That's the larger one. You get like three books that are on that section. Uh, it's correcting, rebuking. But why is that so important? Have you ever gotten to the place where you're like, wow, I probably was wrong about that? Or that's not a good thing, not a good habit in my life. The Bible is more than helpful in helping point out those things in our lives that we need to shed off because they're causing chaos or destruction or, or they're keeping us from the life that God has for us. But it does that if we're willing to interact with it in the way that it's, it is there for us, it'll help us to see those places, not just for us, but for how we walk with people in our lives. And finally, for training in righteousness. It literally trains us in how do we have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with other people, because that's the root of what righteousness in the Bible is talking about. But here's the key in verse 17. 
the so that. You see a so that. It did all this. Now this is where it leads to. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, it doesn't matter how much we get of the teaching side or the correcting, rebuking, all that stuff. If it's not leading us to go, how is this forming me into the likeness of Jesus? Then it's probably a detour from the importance of what the Bible is meant to do in our lives. It's meant to equip us so that we can live the life of Jesus for our sake, but also for others. At the same time, that's where it leads to The second main thing that we talk about is the Bible has both human and divine authorship. Now, we talk about that God is the one who has authored the Bible, but he's also done that primarily through human beings, of which we would go, that seems like a bad idea. And it probably is, because we know ourselves well enough to know, "Eh, is that really the best way to do that? But think about it this way, because the rest, there's different parts of the Bible that talks about God's primary method for reaching our world are those who call themselves followers of Jesus. Human beings who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, both human but also empowered by God's divine spirit to reach the world. And he didn't do anything different with the Bible. He very much used humans, their emotions, their processes, their metaphors, all of our stuff. Why? Because he was communicating to us and he used what was understandable to us to do so. But he, his primary method is partnership with human beings. It's not, uh, when you see God in the Bible do something without human beings, it's actually pretty rare. The primary way he does it is working with somebody to do it. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So it's alive. We've talked about that. It has that God's spirit in it, but it's when we interact with it, there's this sword element to it, which he goes on to say, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So when we read it, we start surrendering to God's truth. It should divide for us between what God says is truth and what we're presented as lies in our life. And let's be honest, I think we probably could use a little bit more of that right now of having being able to discern between what god defines as reality and truth versus what the world around us continually pushes and what we can determine is what is true and what's not true so the bible helps us to have a foundation that does not change that is there consistently to help us and it helps us get to the heart of it it gets to the root of who we are when we cannot just go to it and think oh i'm going to I'm going to hide this aspect of myself because I really like... No, if you really engage with it, it will bring out those things. Why? Because it's for your growth, your freedom in Christ. That's what it's there for. The third one is the Bible is truthful in all that it teaches. And this basically just means that what we believe, the original intent of what's written in the Bible from the original authors to the original audiences in its original languages... What they intended it to mean, that is God's truth. Now, what gets complicated is that we don't live in those time periods. We don't live with those languages. So it takes a little bit of work sometimes when we get confusing things we're reading in there to get to what it's trying to say. And so we can't just read it and go, well, I think it means this. If the author himself who wrote it never intended it to mean that. See what I mean? So it's truthful in what it teaches, not necessarily what our 21st century 
bends want it to say. And so that's a part of surrendering to God's truth and not just making it our own. We do this all the time. One of our favorite things that we do, but I have a lot of background in is, is traveling and, and especially doing mission trips. Um, you know, one of the things we definitely try to do when we run mission trips is, is help people get equipped to go, but also learn when they go, right? You don't ever go into another culture and start dictating to them how your culture does stuff because guess what? You're not in their culture, right? So it'd be, it'd be like walking off the plane and especially for, you know, if you're a, an American who primarily speaks English and immediately yelling at everybody in another country who doesn't speak your language that why don't you speak English? Why don't you do this? Why do you drive on this side of the road? Like, why, do, why all these things work this way? You should be doing it my way. That's what it's like when we approach the Bible and say, why aren't you doing and answering all my 21st century questions or wording things that only I would say it or all these things? That's what it's like. It's being uh, kind of what I call the obnoxious tourist when you go in. That's the blunt matter of it. When we go to the Bible, we have to go, God, what are you saying here? And what did you teach through this and only when you get that you can go now what is that how do I put that into practice how does that work in my life when we shortchange the middle process we can come up with all different things and you've been on Facebook you know how many different opinions there are on everything especially in the Bible Um, and that's my warning to us if you're flipping through and you see memes you know no matter how good the picture looks or the quote that's on there don't get your theology from Facebook it's just a bad idea um, you know, it sounds fantastic. It's like, oh my goodness, there's this really unique thing that Israel used to do. Nine times out of ten, none of that ever existed. It's somebody who made that meme up and it's circulating and still going. Don't do that. Take some time. Go, go to the actual source of things and check it out for yourself. And uh, that's where we want to go. We want to go to God's Word, not other platforms to do it. But it's truthful and all it teaches. And then the final thing is the Bible is sufficient to teach us about salvation. And, and what we mean by that is that if I took a translation of the Bible anywhere in the world, and as long as the person can read it, because it's in their language, they, at the end of the time of reading it, will be able to tell you who is Jesus, what did he ask us to do, and what does salvation mean. They don't need a PhD to do that. You don't need 50 Bible studies to walk you through that. It is sufficient on its own to introduce the truth of who God is by itself. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit enacting those things, and there is enough there for people to make a decision about Jesus in it. And now that doesn't mean, and what I'm not saying is that, well, you need a Bible for someone to be able to make that decision, all right? We know God is able to fully work with anybody at any point in time. There was a, uh, one of the teams that, that worked with the organization we were with prior uh, to coming to Beach. They had sent some teams into the Amazon jungle uh, at different times and like deep, deep, it was like four hour ride up the up one of the rivers in the middle of nowhere. And f- as far as anyone local could tell that they didn't remember when the last time anyone had ever interacted with this particular tribal group that lived in the middle of the jungle. They were like, there, there could have been somebody, but we don't know if anyone, they've ever interacted with someone outside and especially not people of the pale colored skin that was going in, right? So there's a whole whole group of people that came up and they were super surprised that they didn't know people could have skin that pale when they showed up uh, because they're in the middle of nowhere and but so they they found the tribe got there started interacting with the people um, having dinners and stuff like that and the whole point was to try to introduce them to the gospel they brought bibles that actually they could read 
But before they really got into anything, um, one of the people in the, in the tribal group that they were visiting had already come to them and said, look, we already kind of get what you're here to say. But just so you know, just a few weeks ago, I was asleep and I had a dream. And there was a person who he said his name was Jesus. And he said, in a few weeks, there's going to be people to come and tell you about me because I'm the God you've been looking for. And they said, and here you are. So we're ready to listen to what you have to say. See, the Bible is, is not the object of our salvation, right? God is. Jesus is. And he's more than capable of reaching people. But the Bible is our primary source of truth that God has painstakingly made up available to us so that we have a foundational source to go to. We don't worship the Bible, though. Right? If you've come from certain, certain backgrounds, uh, you know, in some places, especially when, the, uh, when we talk about the, the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in some places we just call that the Father, the Son, the Holy Bible. Right? Because the, the Holy Spirit's like that weird uncle you only talk about at Christmas time and Thanksgiving in, in certain circles. So the Bible is there, but we don't, we don't actually worship the Bible. The Bible is meant to lead us to worship to God, and that's the, that's the point. Um, here's, here's two common problems, though, because if we actually believe that those statements are true, then we have to go, well, what does that mean? Because remember, belief, if we really believe it, it should factor into how do we live our lives. But here's the one, con- two, here's actually two common problems I, I, I've come across in lots of different places. But one is that even though we say we believe those, we still don't actually just read it or study it. There's not actually a part in our lives where we we interact with the Bible on a regular basis. So that means that when life gets difficult or when decisions need to be made or I'm seeking out a relationship or I'm trying to figure out what job I need to go, there's lots of other areas that we'll go to and we'll never consult or even have consulted the Bible in enough way to give us direction, to help us know where that truth we're supposed to. It's not like you're going to flip open and go, yes, you should start dating Charlie, right? That's not going to be in there. But it does teach you what a godly relationship is meant to look like. What's the purpose behind it, right? It's not, your, it's not a magic book that we flip over to find those specific answers, but it tells us what should we be basing our baseline of truth on. When we go for that job, are we just going, wow, that's double the money I have, and it gives me all these things? Or is it, that's the job I believe God has lead, led me to? that I can really use the giftings he's given me to impact people, to serve others. Those are two very different approaches to the same question. One, though, is informed by the truth of the Bible, and the other is informed by what everything around us says we should do, right? Even even the concept of our American dream can be used in ways to seek after bigger, better, faster more everything until one day we get to the end of that and we're maybe even hit retirement and we got more than we ever asked for but now we don't have a purpose anymore because everything was about the job or the climbing a ladder or all those things and we've left all the rest of it behind right that doesn't mean any of that can be bad God could very easily lead you down that path as long as it's actually based on what he says and not just our culture or who we are that's why. So one is, is we just we maybe just don't read it. And that doesn't mean you might not have even tried. I mean, you probably bought like a Bible of the Year plan or you just decided you're going to wing it and do it on your own, and you're, but you're going to read the thing and 
you, you start at the beginning because no one ever really tells you where to start. Like, as you just say, start in the beginning or start in the Gospel of John, and then you go for it. But if you start in the beginning and then you get like two months in and you hit Leviticus, and now all of a sudden there's, there's dead animals everywhere, there's, there's blood, there's, the priest is throwing stuff, you don't even know what's going on anymore. And then it's not that you didn't try, it's that it's so confusing that you get stuck, and then you're like, I don't know what to do, and, and it kind of just fizzles out at that point. Uh, or there's other times where we literally try, but we, just, we don't build enough uh, parameters around the habit to try to make it stick, right? Or there, there may be others of us who just are like, I just don't, right? Either way, though, it's not a, a habit that, that we form. But the, the, the flip side of that and the other issue we run into is that we may read it, we may study it, we may even be those people who like have been to 50 Bible studies in our time, and could teach the stuff, could like rattle it off. They're the people that me and them get into long, deep conversations that everybody else just leaves because they're like, that's weird now. Because they're talking about like random ancient laws from different cultures and things like that. But we can get into problems there because we can get into a loop uh, where we're studying and we're learning and doing all these things. But we're not, it's not actually driving us to be a better follower of Jesus. Why? Because there's no output. There's no, I'm not giving any of this away. It's just accumulating understanding. It's accumulating this knowledge. And not even for bad reasons, but because the knowledge and the understanding we do have dies with us, it also leads us to not look more and more like Jesus. Why? Because we are supposed to understand those things so that we can help others in their lives. So we can disciple others. We can go back to someone who's maybe in a place we were a few years ago and they're trying to understand this and we actually take the time to go, hey, I've been there. Here, let me help you understand this. Let me help you walk with you. And, and you build in a rhythm to go, if I'm going to read this and study it, then I, my last question at least would go, how can I obey what I'm reading? If Jesus says this is something we should actually look like, how this week am I actually going to do that and live it out? Otherwise, it's, it, it just dies within us. So we either, either don't have the habit, we don't engage with it, or we don't obey what it says. And that's, it's becoming a growing um, issue, especially in, in the U.S. Especially. So there's an organization called the American Bible Society, and every year they do statistics on what is the view of the Bible in the U.S. specifically, um, how do people engage with it, what does that look like. And they do, I mean, it's like a... 30-page document, but there's one that, was, that they always do, and it's just um, how often do people actually interact with the Bible, and they do all kinds of polls, um, and this year, you know, they do it every year, so January this year, they released the 2022 version, and it basically hit all-time lows in nearly every category, so the first category is 40% of the people they polled said that they go an entire year and never pick up a Bible, so that's 40% is that segment. The next segment was 20, the next 20% said they'll go an entire year and maybe actually engage with the Bible at the maximum two times in the year. So for 60% of the people in the polls, their best interaction with the Bible was two times in a year calendar. And that sounds like, that's probably Easter and Christmas. It's just a, just a guess, right? So that's, that's the state. Now, the, the only people, there was only 10% of people that said they were daily engaging with the Bible through those. So what does that tell us? It tells us that we're growing consistently, even, even as Christians, that we're growing consistent with we're seeking out truth from everywhere else 
maybe except for the one primary tool God gave us to do so. And so that's our challenge. How do we get back into that, right? How do we get back into these habits? Say, so like, Jesus had this, especially about the Pharisees, you know, on that flip side of the coin. The Pharisees were those that really knew the Old Testament really well. I mean, they had this thing memorized. So that's two-thirds of your Bible that you have um, is, is the Old Testament. They would, they've memorized that entire thing. So they are the teachers, they're all this stuff, but they had taken the laws and the, the things of God and they had made it into this burden and oppressive system that the people were subject to. That was all about performance and rules. And Jesus confronts them lots and lots of times because he's telling them what they've done with his life-giving rules and, and laws and his scriptures. But listen to this. He's, this is Jesus' own words to the Pharisees. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Right? These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Right? We can spend all we want in the Bible. We can study it. But Jesus himself is saying, the, that book, this book that we have is meant to lead us to relationship and worship of God. That's where it's meant. That's pointing. It's an entire compilation that's one story that's leading us to who Jesus is and what does that matter for our lives. So if we get stuck, it's because we're not seeking God. We're seeking other things. We're seeking knowledge or understanding but we need to you see the Bible as how do we, we're engaging the Bible because it is a way to engage God himself. This is a quote that I love by Dallas Willard. Um, if you've not heard of Dallas Willard, you need to look him up because he's, uh, he's passed on now, but he was one of the brilliant theologians of the past century, uh, but he was a pastor for a long time as well. And he's written like 50 or so books. It doesn't matter which one you pick up, just pick up one of them. Um, but he's an amazing guy, and this is what he says, to be a biblical Christian is not to have high views about the Bible. It's to seek and to know and live the life that is depicted in the Bible. And now this is being spoken from a guy who spent his life studying and teaching the Bible. So he's not saying the Bible's not important at all. But what he's saying is that what separates us as followers of Jesus is not how high we think of the Bible, whether we can spout off all of these statements of what we think is true. What separates us is are we actually seeking it? Are we trying to know it and then to live the life that is depicted, especially through the person of Jesus? That's what we're called to do and called to be as Christians. That's why it's so foundational to who we are. If we ever go, man, I really wish God would tell me what to do, but we haven't picked up the Bible in a while, it's going to be harder to make that decision. Because we're not inundated with God's truth. We're inundated with the world around us or what culture tells us we're supposed to be. We need to be grounded and rooted in God's truth so that we can actually live out who he says we are. So here's what I want to leave us with. Um, number one is the question, is the Bible your foundational source for truth? Is it the place that not just do you agree with those terms? Do you agree, you know, it's, oh, it's God's inspired word. It's, I believe in the authorship. I believe it's sufficient. All those things. But is it actually where you turn to when you need direction? Is it actually that place that goes, I know how to make that decision because I know who God's called me to be. I know what he says about this relationship or what he says about this pursuit in my life 
Why? Because I'm daily engaging with him through his word. Then it becomes like habit. It's not even like you have to think hard about it because when it's stored in you so deeply, it's the only thing that can come out when we need that direction. It's what comes out of our hearts when we've really treasured it in a way that we embed it in there. But that's only going to come through actually engaging with it. So maybe, uh, you know, these are, these are three things. No matter where you are on the spectrum of how you engage the Bible, these three things I want you to just take away from this morning. Okay? Very simple. Read, study, and obey. That's it. Maybe if you're not engaging the Bible, just start reading it. Find something. There is, I can't even count how many resources we have now to help us understand the Bible that we're overwhelmed with, but just pick one. Pick something. It'll help you get started. Maybe you're reading it, but you're having a hard time understanding it. Well, pick up something that's going to help you study. That's going to help you unlock some of those things that's confusing um, or you need some context with. There's great study Bibles. There's the Bible Project online that does a great job. There's so many resources. Do that. Well, maybe if you're reading and you're studying, are you obeying it? Are you taking time in your week to go, God, if I'm reading this, how can I live it? What's something practical today that I can actually do with this? If I'm reading, you know, Jesus' words to say, love your neighbor as yourself, okay, this week, how am I, not just your, you know, you can start with your actual neighbors if you want to. Start with somebody and go, how can I actually show them the love of Jesus this week? It's that, that that's all we're talking about. It's that simple. But it's just the intention. And I guarantee you, if you take those steps, God's going to meet you where you are and empower you to continue that process. It's exactly what Peggy was saying in her story. As she pursued, God was faithful over and over and over again to give her that next step of her faith journey, no matter where she was at. But the scriptures were her foundation. It's where she drew all of her source for her life choices, her, her morals, her how did she interact with people. But that only comes through actually interacting. Read it, study it, obey it. And then I'm going to leave it to you to evaluate where you are in that spectrum. And to allow the Holy Spirit to show you what that next step is for you. Because I guarantee you, you know, we've, we've talked about this in prior times. Pastor Kerry has mentioned it. You know, there's studies that say, like, if you at least interact with your Bible at least four times a week, anxiety levels go down, worry levels go down, patience, the fruit of the Spirit actually starts becoming a reality. Why? But again, that's not just reading the thing. That's reading it and trying to practice it, trying to actually do it, not just out of willpower, but by inviting the Holy Spirit to teach us and walk with us, right? The Bible is not our source for salvation. Jesus is, and he will walk with us. So that's our invitation this morning. How can you take whatever that next step is for you? We have so many things here. There's starting point that you could jump into. There's life groups that you can join that will help you do this in a, in a group setting where you can learn from one another. We have Bible track that will be kicking back up in, in the fall that we dive deeper into the New Testament. There's so many different avenues. Just what is that step for you? That's the invitation this morning. I'm going I'm to take a moment to pray for, pray for us. And But while I'm praying, but even while we're worshiping this last song, invite the Holy Spirit to give you what that is. Don't walk out 
without going, God, how can I take that step this morning? So let's, let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, number one, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you took the time uh, to not just impact the world through who you are already in your life, but you took the time to make sure we had something solid that we can open up at any point in time and know more about you, God, that we can see what you say about our lives, what you say about your truth and how we can live that out. But I pray, God, that we're, we're at a place where we can surrender to your Holy Spirit's work, so we can make room for what's most important in our lives, and that's these foundations. God, that our life is founded on your word and not on our own, not on us trying to strive and, and make decisions and and feeling like we may be lost in life, but we have a source of truth to go to. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you that it is a tool that you can use with your Holy Spirit to lead us to you. Thank you for all of us who've already been impacted, but I pray that we make room to continue that process and continue to invite others into that process with us. Because we're not alone, God. We are a, a body of believers walking with you that we want to truly live out and honor you with our lives. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, give us, give us direction um, and let's hear our response this morning of faith and of praise of who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's podcast. We'd love to connect with you and hear from you on how this week's podcast impacted you. You can always connect with us through our app, Beach Church Jacks, which is found on the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. And you can always go to our website, beachchurchjacks.com. Have a great day.